Today, I'm going to talk about being a disciple of Jesus. How, how many of you guys know what a disciple is? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, how many of you guys have heard of disciples? Yeah. They're not only Bible characters, but we are disciples too. Pastor has been preaching on unity. And the last few weeks, he's been talking about unity uh, within the body of Christ. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to the last three messages because a lot of what we're going to be talking about coincides with uh, being uh, uh, what Pastor had preached on. So unity is something that we strive for. Jesus' disciples became the church of Christ. We are his body made up of different parts, but we have one goal. Unity comes by working together, understanding our differences, and following the teachings of Jesus. So for the, for the past year, I've been working with the youth, uh, taking them through the book of Matthew. And we've been going chapter by chapter. Sometimes we break up the chapters, but we started in January 1st and started really following Jesus to see where he was going and what, what he was teaching. And I wasn't planning on it for to take a whole year, but I think we're in chapter uh, 26 or 27 right now. And I, I'm fairly certain that we'll get done by the end of the year. But it's amazing to see when we take the scriptures and listen to Jesus and watch what his disciples do on the lessons that we can learn as disciples of Jesus. Um, I'm going to give you a 30,000 foot view, a flyover of who Jesus' disciples were and what they did. Jesus had many disciples. He had close disciples, casual disciples, and fair-weather disciples. He was constantly being shocked and amazed by the things his disciples did and said, both good and bad. Jesus was also betrayed and abandoned. But he understood that from he understood that from the beginning. He knew that he would suffer and die according to the scriptures and that his disciples would scatter and that we that that they would go that he would go before them after the resurrection to meet him in Galilee. So we look at the we look at the gospels and we see what the disciples did. And a lot of times we sit back having you know uh, looking in the past it's 2020 vision. We can see, oh yeah, this is what they did. Uh, but why did they do that? Why did they do the things that they did? Why did they betray Jesus? Why did they scatter? You know, Jesus was. If, if, if you were to walk with Jesus, you'd say, oh, I'm with Jesus. Nothing could go bad. Um, I'm going to do everything right. Well, obviously the disciples didn't do everything right. But there's a reason for that. We also learned that Jesus' teachings were always directed at the condition of our heart. 
There were many um, teachers of the law. There were many Pharisees. There were many people that had disciples of their own. And it was very common for a teacher of the law to have disciples. So Jesus became a teacher of the law. He walked with his disciples. He talked with his disciples. But he did something very different than what the other teachers of the law did. He went to the heart. Many times you've probably seen a lawyer. How many of you guys have seen a lawyer? Maybe you are a lawyer. Um, they look at the law and they, they look to see what their parameters were within that law. And if they can move outside the parameters of the law and still be legal. We do that as human beings. We look at the law and say, yeah, that's for somebody else. Or nah, if nobody saw it, then did I really break it? Jesus went to the source, to our hearts, to say, you may say, oh, I haven't murdered, but have you hated your brother? Oh, I, I haven't committed adultery, but have you looked at somebody with lust? You know, they were following the letter of the law and staying within its boundaries, but in their heart, they were doing the opposite. So Jesus was always going towards the condition of the heart. The Sermon on the Mound is found in Matthew and Luke, and it is one of my most favorite passages to read uh, because there's a lot of teachings in there. There's a lot of things that Jesus took and really conditioned it to our hearts. Um, he used the parables to teach. He challenged the thinking of the day on both the religious leaders and the Jews. He used parables to confuse his enemies and to make his disciples think. How many times did Jesus say a parable and then the Disciples came back and said, Lord, uh, we don't understand what you just said. And then Jesus would say, are you dumb? You know, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty harsh. Um, this is what it means. And you think, you're like, wow, okay, that's interesting. Jesus told his disciples on multiple occasions that he would suffer and die and that he would rise from the dead. This confused his disciples, and they were pretty much in denial. If you, if you read the scriptures, Jesus says, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. His disciples are like, uh, I, I like his teachings, but what is he saying now? This sounds crazy. What, what does that mean? You have to understand that the disciples thought that Jesus was coming to set up an earthly kingdom. He was going to expel the Romans and that the, the, uh, the kingdom of Israel would be established according to the scriptures so that uh, they, they would be a kingdom. So when Jesus said, I'm going to die, his disciples are like, uh, how is this kingdom going to survive if you're dead? So we have to think in those ways of what the disciples were thinking because 
If you understand that, then what they do, what their actions are, make sense. They thought the Messiah was going to vanquish the Romans, but his arrest and execution was in a long line of rebel leaders. But we know Jesus wasn't a rebel. In Acts 5, Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, explained that the Sanhedrin explained to the Sanhedrin that there were multiple leaders who have come and gone with no change. He warned them that if the purpose and activity of Jesus' disciples were from God, that it would be unwise to oppose them. But if it was from human origins, it would fail. There was something different about Jesus. The disciples didn't know it at the time when they were walking with him, but what they thought and what Jesus thought were two different things. How many times have you been working with somebody and they said, oh, we're going to do this. And when you get there, you're like, whoa, that was like the totally opposite thing that I thought was going to happen. You know, my mind's eye and their mind's eye were two different places. That happens to us a lot. So communication's good. Being able to say, hey, we're going to do this is good. Even though Jesus explained to them what they were going to do, what he was going to do, the disciples had it in their mind that it was going to be something totally opposite of what Jesus had. So, are you a disciple of Jesus? If so, what kind of disciple are you? Are you a close disciple, a casual disciple, or a fair-weather disciple? So we're going to talk about unity with Christ. Jesus' relationship with the church is represented in the scriptures as a marriage. We are called to be the bride of Christ. And our role in the church is to make disciples of all nations. So what is, what is a marriage? Let's look at it in the terms of earthly marriage. Marriage is a combination of two imperfect people, hopefully going in the same direction with the same purpose. Marriage can be hard. It can be difficult. It requires commitment, understanding, love, and compassion. We sometimes ex have these expectations that marriage is supposed to be perfect. That there's perfection. You would hear people say, well, their marriage was perfect. What went wrong? Or somebody will say, I thought I married the perfect person. No one is, no one except Jesus is perfect. So how can we expect perfection from imperfection? The same thing goes with the church. You will never find a perfect church as long as imperfection exists. That's why we need Jesus. Amen. Understanding this, let's see what Jesus wants from us. Jesus was very specific when he told the disciples what to do in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There's that imperfection. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, do, to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts, he told his disciples what they needed to do also. Acts 1, 4 through 9. On one occasion, while they were eating, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my, uh, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? There's that imperfection. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the father had set, uh, has set his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So did you guys see the imperfections that were in the scriptures? Some doubted. Some were still on that same wavelength of, hey, he just rose from the dead. He did everything that, that he said he would. So are you still going to set up the kingdom of Israel? What do you guys think when you hear the word discipleship? Is it a program? Is it a teaching? Is it an inconvenience? Let's look at what Jesus did. First thing he did was he called. There was a calling. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22 said, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus called them. He went up to them. Now, I have to say, I've worked for people. I've, uh, I've had people under me where I trained them. I, I did certain things. If they up and left, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I can't imagine what Zebedee was doing when he's like, all right, we're going to catch some fish. And all of a sudden his sons get up and walk off the boat. Like, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Who would do that? I've been thinking, okay, you know, it's like, hey, come follow me. I'm like, who, who are you? 
I have to assume that they probably knew who Jesus was. They'd probably seen him before. Because Jesus went around the countryside proclaiming the good news to repent, to turn that the kingdom of God was coming. So there was a chance that they had already seen who Jesus was. Now, if somebody's pretty notable or famous and they walked up to you and say, hey, come follow me, we'd be like, hey, yeah, see where this goes. They probably did the same thing. They were probably in their boats going, ah, oh, these nets again. You know, I've got to tie this up because if I don't tie this up, the fish are going to get right through. We're not going to catch a fish. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up and says, hey, come follow me and I'll help you catch people. Okay, that's weird, but let's go, right? I can only assume. But there was something in the way Jesus did things that we have to take note of. Sometimes we have to walk with people and we say, hey, come follow me. You may not even say, come follow me, but you say, let's walk together. Let's talk about things. Jesus is calling us to be his body. Next thing that I wanted to point out is the walking and teaching. Jesus walked with and taught his disciples. It was like an apprenticeship. How many of you guys have ever been in a, an apprenticeship? Few people? Yeah. Uh, some, some trades require that you become an apprentice. Maybe so that you don't hurt yourself or you hurt the product. <laughs> a lot of us got on-the-job training, sort of like an apprenticeship. Some of us went to a school, sort of like an apprenticeship. So I can probably say that a majority of us would raise our hands and say, have you ever been to an apprentice? Because you had to learn. You just didn't know it, but somebody had to teach it to you. And so in a way, his disciples were under Jesus' apprenticeship. He gave directions in this apprenticeship, in this walk, and he also gave warnings. Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 23 says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you with sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people stick, stick grapes? Uh, do they pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Here's the warning. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I had a dream one time. This is 
years ago before I even moved out here. I was, I think I was still living in California uh, with my, in my parents' place. And I had a dream where I was standing before God and he said, I never knew you. And everything within me screamed out to the point where I woke up screaming. It was so, I'll never forget it. It's one of those things that you'll never forget. But I was standing there and I heard the words I never knew and I was terrified. I'll never forget this because I talk to the kids. I tell the kids, I've told them this story. I said, it's one of the most traumatic things that I've ever, uh, there's, there's three, one, you know, I you know, very rarely speak about. The other one I'll tell you in a second. But that was one of the things that I heard and my body just reacted. The other thing, it's a little funny, but this is before I got married, but I, I was had a dream that I was standing at the altar. I was getting ready to be married. And I'm standing there and my bride's walking up and she's got the veil on, the beautiful white dress and the music's playing. I'm standing with people. And she comes up, she stands right next to me, and I leaned over and I said, Hi, I'm Joseph. What's your name? <laughs> I woke up, I'm like, oh, phew. Oh, my word. That was weird. <laughs> I'll never forget that dream either. But, you know, those, those are things that, you know, when we dream or we have an experience, we'll never forget. I don't recommend uh, getting married to somebody you don't know. That's uh, hmm, it's a little scary. But here are the things that we need to take away from this. We need to walk and talk with people. How well do you know a person when you're walking with them? Who are the people you're walking with? What good is a calling, walking, and teaching if the application is ignored? The third thing is we need to be equipping and applying. We need to apply his word to our lives. I tell the students, I say, are you reading the word? I said, this is the greatest text message that you will ever read. Are you reading it? I think kids are past text messages now. I don't know if it's a big thing like it was 10 years ago. But the scriptures are there. This is God's word. Are we reading it? Some people, I, I, I've told people this, I said, you know, I hear God speak to me. And I had one guy, he says, man, I hear people say that all the time. But I, I've never heard God speak. Well, maybe you're thinking of it in a different way. How, how do you know if God's speaking to you? When I read God's word, I feel the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart. And they're like, Whoa, okay, I need to pay attention. Or I could be standing there looking off in the distance thinking about something and I feel a tug of the Holy Spirit going, yep, that's it. I'm like, whoa. I remember one time I was at a church and I was like, man, we're doing great here. We're having a good time. The ministry, Royal Rangers that I'm in is growing. It's, it's going really good. And I felt God saying, this isn't your home. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I, I ended up uh, visited a uh, pastor friend of mine and 
And, and he said, hey, have you ever thought of starting another ministry? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm a Royal Ranger through and through. And uh, I said, I, I'm not, uh, not going to... He goes, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm thinking of starting another church. And I was wondering if you would like to come and do Rangers with us. I'm like, whoa. So I said, well, I need to talk to my wife and we need to pray about this. And I remember because at that time... Uh, the leader of the Royal Rangers uh, had left and the pastor approached me and said, would you take it over? Would you lead that group? And I felt in my heart that I needed to say, maybe, or let's see. So I told the pastor, I said, I will do it up until about December. I feel like I can't say yes going on, but I can do it till December. And then when we get there, let's talk about it again. He said, great, let's do that. So I saw my friend again and I said, he said, oh, we're thinking of starting in January. And I was like, okay. So along the way, as you walk and you talk with Jesus, as you go through his word, as it's applied to your life, the Holy Spirit will talk to you, will guide you. There, there are things that I know that I've ignored. And, and I think, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know you placed something on my heart that I should have done and I didn't do it. I apologize. And there's other times where you know for sure that this is exactly what God wants you to do. And you go and do it. And you're like, yes. All right. Do I get a gold star? You know, But we need to be walking and talking. If we're not in his word, if we're not praying, how are we communicating with God? How, are, how is he able to talk to you? When, you? when you talk to somebody, you get to know their voice. They could, they could say something in a crowd and you go, oh, that's my dad. And you, you, know, you know who that is. Same thing with Jesus. We have so many things that are going on around us speaking at us that sometimes God's voice is drowned out. Are we in tune with his voice? Are we in tune with what he has? So how do we apply the word to our lives? This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 29. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But whoever, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Are we applying those things to our lives? Are we reading his word? Is, is our whole being, is everything that we believe on the rock of Jesus? Because 
I know people that walk around, they go, oh, I'm a Christian. Nothing bad should ever happen to me. That's wrong. Okay? Jesus didn't say, if you read my words and you apply it to my life, you will never have a problem ever again. That is not in his word. He said, the, when the rains come and the water rises, because it rains on both the good and the bad. The sun shines on both the good and the bad. The Jews at that time thought, if I'm doing everything that God does, I'm going to be blessed. Well, yeah, but what does that mean? So what they do is they look at a rich person. Oh, this guy's rich. He's got prominence. He must be doing God's will. How many rich people do we know today in, the, in, in, our, in our world? How many, of them, how many of them are doing what God's asking them to do? No, what Jesus did was he went to the heart. He said, this is going to happen to both the rich and the poor. He says, where's your foundation? If your foundation's on my word, you're going, your house is going to survive. But if your house is not on the word, on the rock, everything's going to crumble. In Acts, Jesus said that we would receive power through the Holy Spirit. There was a turning point in the lives of his disciples when the Holy Spirit fell on them and the church was born. So they were all gathered around. They were all in one room. There was 120 or more of them. And they were waiting. The Holy Spirit came and fell upon them. And they began to prophesy, to speak in tongues. And at that moment, everything changed. Remember what Gamaliel said about other leaders who had died. What happened to their disciples? They scattered. Well, initially, Jesus' disciples did scatter. <coughs> But they didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them. But at that moment when Jesus gathered them back up and said, I want you to wait. I'm sending the helper. The Holy Spirit came and fell upon them and everything changed. In Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, it says they devoted themselves to the teachers, to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship. And to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Peter's first message after the, the Holy Spirit fell, he understood what Jesus was saying. He was able to look back and go, oh wow, that's what he meant. We have the luxury of being able to watch what Jesus said, to read it, 
and to look back and know, yes, this is exactly what he was talking about. But at that time, when his disciples were with them, what Jesus thought and what they thought were totally different. When the Holy Spirit came, it evened out, and they were on the same path. How can we apply these teachings to our lives and fulfill the Great Commission? It starts by being a disciple of Jesus. This is the third, first thing that we need uh, to do. Is he Lord of our life? Are you a close disciple? A casual disciple? Or a fair weather disciple? Matthew 16, 24 through 28 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will gain it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some of you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. If we're not a disciple of Jesus, we need to understand that we are separated from God in our sin. We need to have faith in Jesus. So what does that mean? If we're not a disciple of Jesus, remember Jesus said, some of you will say, Lord, Lord, but he would say, I never knew you. There's many people, I tell this to you, I'll ask, who is your favorite celebrity? And they'll give me a name. I said, tell me everything about them. Oh, they'll list off where they live, what they drive, what things that they do, what their profession is, how much money they have. They know all about that celebrity. I said, that's great. I said, does that celebrity know you? No. We may know Jesus. We may know everything that he did what he said, and how he lived. The question is, does Jesus know you? So we have to look at our heart. Am I giving everything that I have, am I giving everything that I am to Jesus so that I could be his disciple? Am I... Am I walking with him? Am I talking with him? Am I learning from him so that I am prepared to do the same thing with others? I know a lot of Christians that go, I, I can't go out and, and witness because uh, I'm just nervous or I'm not good in front of other people. And that's okay. It could be that you're not truly understanding what God wants in his word and understand his word. But sometimes we think of it to be one way 
where we have to walk up to people and say, do you know Jesus? Let me show you Jesus. And there's people that do that, and God uses them mightily. But if we walk with people and talk with people, there needs to be something there for them to recognize. I know when I was working for the phone company and I had guys that would ride with me and guess what? I had a captive audience. They'd be captive for months. All right? They knew I went to church. But we'd talk about life and eventually it would, they would say, so what do you think about this? What, what are you, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And I'm able to speak into their lives. I had one guy call me up and says, do you remember when you invited me to church? I said, nope. <laughs> it wasn't something that I would say, hey, you need to come to church. You know, blah, blah. But in my relationship with them, in my walk with them, I said, hey, you need to be a part of a church. You need to be walking with people who care about you, that can pray for you, that can uphold, you know, uplift you. You need people in your life like that. So he took it as, I invited him to church. We need to be able to walk with people where we are. You may be at home and go, I just, I just have rug rats running around. Guess what? You're where God wants you to be. You may be at work and like, I can't talk to people about Jesus and work. Yeah, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that what does is, what is your life reflect? If your life reflects what Jesus is, people are going to notice. So, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have to understand this. Romans 3, 21 through 24 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of man has been made known, to which the law of the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to remove our sins so that we could have a relationship with Him. Amen. If we're not walking with Jesus then we're separated from Him. If we don't have His forgiveness, then, his, then our sin is in our life. Righteousness comes by faith. Romans 10, 5-13 says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the message concerning faith that we proclaim, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess and your, uh, your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we need to walk with others. We need to walk with Jesus. If if we aren't walking with Jesus, how can we walk with others? If Jesus isn't Lord of our lives, how can we effectively help others to have a relationship with him? We need to walk with people both inside and outside the church. Jesus said, and this is the reason why I I talk about um, we may not need to just walk up to people and say, do you know Jesus? Or you you know, you you heard the thing where somebody's like running after the person. Do you know your Lord and Jesus, uh, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, a lot of people will make fun of the things that we do. But in reality, we have a purpose and we have a job to do. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if it's salt, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, They put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. We need to be light. I was working in San Francisco and I I did communications and I was working around some electricians. And we're cutting up. We're having a great time. We're joking around because, you know, when you're working, you want to have fun. So a bunch of them left, a bunch of the electricians, but one stayed behind. And I kind of noticed it's like usually the union workers, they're really good about taking their lunch and going to lunch on time. But this one guy just uh, stuck behind and he said, can I ask you a question? He's like, sure. He says, are you a Christian? Yeah, I am. He goes, I thought so. You remind me of some of the people that I used to go to church with. He used to go to church. And I was immediately reminded of the scripture. We are light. We are light in a dark place. And we may think, oh, if, if the people that I work with or I'm around know that I go to church, they would laugh at me because my life has not been an example of what Jesus was and what he said. And I had times that I was embarrassed by my own actions. But I had plenty of times where God showed me that, hey, I can change that. And he did. I was standing there going, wow, I can see what 
what, what he meant in his word. So we need to be in his word. We need to be like Christ so that his light is shining through us and people will see that light and run towards it. The third thing we need to do is equip. This is serving and teaching. The disciples of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit were able to teach and equip others. We cannot expect people to know and follow Jesus unless we know and are following him. We need to pass on what we know to those who don't. The teachings of Jesus and the apostles are important in our daily lives. They guide in uh, the directions and steps we need in order to be the salt and light this world desperately needs. So here's the question again. Are you a follower, a disciple of Jesus? What kind are you? Are you a close disciple? A casual disciple? Or a fair-weather disciple? Are you making disciples by calling and walking with others? If so, let's take steps in continuing the Great Commission. Does your light shine before men? Do they know that you are a disciple of Jesus? If not, let us take the first steps together. Because we're all called. We all need to walk. And we all need to equip. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father,